iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti. I thank you for joining us. You thought with the season over, we'd be gone. Well, not just yet. We're still around for a short while longer. With me in the studio today, it's the excellent Allison Rudd and the excellent Julian Lawrence. Joining us later to help us pick our team of the season, it's the franchise. It's Mr. Henry Winter. But before him, as a warm-up act, you might say, we have to help us discuss the FA Cup final. It's Mr. Matt Hughes. Welcome all, Hughesy. Arsenal. Finish the season on a high. I, I, I think that's a technical terms. Right? What is it? Five or six wins on the bounce, and they win the FA Cup. We'll get to implications and all that. I just want to start with the opening goal and just get this out of the way. That was just absurdly bad officiating, wasn't it? Yeah, correct. Uh, clearly a handball. Um, I mean, I guess he kind of atoned by making a smart decision on the Moses dive in the second half. Chelsea, although they were. Poor on the day, we're unfortunate in that respect. We'll, we'll, we'll get the chance of it. Alison, you're a qualified referee. It's not just a handball. Ramsey was offside and he clearly squares up as if he's going to shoot. Clearly, he's interfering. Well, he, well, yeah, except that I think there's an argument There's an argument to be made that because he readjusted and made it clear that the next phase, which was a minute difference of phasing, he again readjusted to make it clear he was not going to try and kick the ball. That is why. I don't think the referee saw the handball. That's that's not bad officiating. That's just not seeing it. The bad officiating is whether you think Ramsey uh, did affect the positioning, the attitude, whether a goalkeeper responded to, to the build-up in the Arsenal goal. And I think you could make a very clear case that Ramsey was interfering with play. But because he readjusted and he did that thing which players do when they say, hey, everyone, I know I'm offside, I'm not going to interfere. I think for some reason that's now regarded as an extra phase. And so that's why they gave the goal. That's the only way I can explain it is because Ramsey made a big deal of saying, I'm not interfering. The officials felt they had to give it. Well, the assistant didn't feel that way, obviously, because he raised his flag and was overruled by Taylor. I want to ask you about this, uh, Julian, because if I'm Taylor, I have to work out how Sanchez managed to pluck the ball out of the air like that. And as Allison said, maybe he didn't see it. Um, in fact, Henry Winter, uh, who's joining us later, reported uh, that apparently Taylor told the Chelsea players, oh, no, Sanchez got the ball with his knee. Unless he was upside down. I'm not really clear I could have done that. But whatever. Maybe that's what he saw. But... If you're looking at Sanchez, how can he also be judging through several defenders Ramsey's actions? That That's the part I don't really get. When you have an assistant who you work with all season long who tells you the dude's offside, you know, I presume his assistant also knows the laws of the game, yeah? But, but the assistant with the other side of 
the the move. So I think Taylor was better positioned for at least for the offside to judge to what judge, Ramsey yeah, Ramsey was doing. Yeah. Then then the assistant was on the other side on the touchline, but the other side of the left hand side of the goal where Ramsey and 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 Sanchez were, and and there was far more bodies in the way for the linesman to see it properly. You know both movement of Ramsey and and Sanchez. Then then Taylor was on the other side or was on the right side to see things. How he didn't see the handball, I'm not so sure. Because from where we were sat in the stadium, I was there with my son. We could we 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 saw it. So on the offside point, I think he was good. He was in a very good position for it. Husey, this was a really bad call, but I think it's fair to say it did not affect events, and especially in that that first half hour, Arsenal simply battered Chelsea. Was it a case of Arsenal being very good, or was it a case of? Chelsea possibly putting in their worst performance since uh, since when they played Arsenal at the uh, at the Emirates. Probably a bit of both, but I do think you have to give a lot of credit to Arsenal. I think Chelsea were um, sort of shell shocked. Really, they didn't expect Arsenal to start with that pace intensity. I think the way that Sanchez, Özil, and Ramsey um, marauded behind Welbeck sort of surprised Chelsea, and they sort of took a while to kind of. Um, adjust to that. I mean, obviously, they've had a couple of weeks of celebrations, but make no mistake, they took this game very seriously. I was down there a couple of times last week, and they were working very, very hard to try and win this game. It wasn't a case of, um, you know, oh, it's just one more game, a cup final. They were up for it. They just didn't perform particularly well, and I think you have to give Arsenal, and, and they need the manager, credit for that. Alison, is it? So, Hughes seems to be implying it's more a case of Arsenal stopping Chelsea from playing well, rather than Chelsea being terrible? I... I would tend to disagree a little bit. I thought Chelsea were, I mean, all credit to Arsenal. I thought Chelsea were, were really bad at making sloppy mistakes. Yeah, I agree I agree, I agree with Matt that that possibly Chelsea were surprised at Arsenal's attitude, which I thought was uh, sort of very prescient of them. It was as if Arsenal had had word that Chelsea wouldn't quite start at, at full throttle and they just went for it. And that did seem to um, take Chelsea by surprise. But their inability to react to that... It was like when you see a car and it, it wants to and it can't get out of third gear. There's something wrong with it. It, it was like they just, they just couldn't shift anything. And uh, Fabregas, I think probably most Chelsea fans were, were thinking after seeing Matic's really slow start, were thinking, OK, OK, okay we, need, we need Fabregas on. And for some reason, Conte just didn't make changes quickly. The beauty of, of, of great management and great teams is their ability to react. And what Conte's been very good at this season is reacting in the next game, not during a game. So maybe maybe that is his one foible. He just, just couldn't, during a game, work out how to pep them up. Ramsey ran 14 kilometres, 14.4 I think it was, which is incredible. He was everywhere, but Chaka dictated the, the, the pace of the game and, and Ozil and Sanchez find all those spaces and Welbeck. I think that's the problem when you stretch the back three defence at Chelsea is that they struggle a bit more. When Luis has to turn round and chase people on the right, on the left, it's more difficult. And I think on possession, Arsenal were, were brilliant. And on the counter-attack, I thought they were very good as well because of the pace of Welbeck. And I think it was a very good choice from Wenger to, to pick him ahead of, of Giroud, as much as I love Giroud. And, and then it, it was even better when Giroud came on and, and for his first touch set up, set up Ramsey for the goal. But I thought Arsenal had everything perfect. I did think that they, they dropped a bit deeper too quickly, I think, in the second half. And they put themselves under, under pressure. They didn't really need to do that. Um, and you could see that maybe a goal was, was, was coming for Chelsea. But I thought it was just a perfect performance, pretty what much. Would you, what would you, I mean, if you were Conte, what would, what would everyone have done? Wembley's a big pitch. So you've got Kante and Matic 
who very quickly look exposed, that they've got too much ground to cover, and you've got their wing backs, t- technically their wing backs, not helping out. What do you? Should you have gone to four at the back? Should you have made it a clearer five at the back? What should you have? What do you think you should have done? I thought when when I saw Fabregas coming uh, coming to warm up after five minutes after the goal, I thought okay, he's going to go four at the back, and he's going to readjust his midfield because clearly that's where the issue is. So you can even you could have put you could have gone four three three for example with Conte, Matic, and Fabregas, and suddenly your midfield would have would have looked far more stronger. And I was really expecting, but we mentioned that before. Do you remember after the United game away? I think mm. where we said we were surprised that Conte didn't really re- react or did anything either at half-time or during the first half or the second half to, to sort of change things or at least try something. And you know what? At, at the end of, of the final, I thought, OK, Batshuayi is going to come on now with Costa up front and they're just going to hoof the ball. And Batshuayi came on for Costa. And I thought, what? you've got nothing to lose. You're 2-1 down. May as well put Costa and Batshuayi up front and just play with two at the back and just hoof the ball and see what happens because Cahill and Luis were already playing like forwards. And why would you take Costa off to bring Batshuayi on? So, I think, um, as I understand it, minutes, I mean. if, if you were answering that question, you were answering it honestly, he would probably say that he, has, he doesn't think Arsenal are that good. And he thinks, yeah, we have a problem area in, in midfield, but we can beat you in different ways. And I have enough faith in my guys that I'm not going to go and, and, and start hoofing the ball into the box or, 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 or do things like that. He says, I'm going I'm to wait. Hazard's going to do something. An Alonso set piece. And obviously Fabregas was on at that point. Mm. That, that's kind of the way he thinks. He's, he, he can change things around. But he often views it from, and I think he views it through the lens of his own experience as a player, where when he was playing and you, and you go a goal down and then the manager changes everything, it sends a message that either the manager got it wrong initially, which probably isn't the case here, or he doesn't have faith that the players who got themselves into the mess can get them out of it. Um, that's just that, that's a concept he, yeah. he values. But um, the Victor Moses dive, bad dive, stupid dive, gets himself sent off. Hughes, do you have anything interesting to say about that? Anybody? He's just stupid. Burn him at the stake. Bloody um, foreigners. Since he's Nigerian, right? He's another one of those, yeah. you know. Well, he is Nigerian, but I don't think we can you know, live in England for a long time, so I don't think we can uh, wash our hands of him. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it feels, I thought, brave call by the referee, and it felt like a kind of, um, you know, potentially a seminal moment. The first guy to be sent off for diving in a cup final, just as the rules are about to change next season with retrospective action um, to be brought in. So it kind of it feels like maybe it will be remembered as... Um, an incident where diving is hurting your own team and if, if that's the start of changing the mindset of players to make them think twice about diving, then it will be undoubtedly a good thing. I thought it was a bit depressing afterwards, actually, that Conte didn't, you know, call him out on it and he kind of, he sort of fudged it and um, he was unwilling to sort of admit he dived. Uh, so clearly that process will take some time. But, um, you know, if, if, if people are going to carry on diving, well, I don't know what the numbers will be, but half the time, 40% of the time, they'll, they'll be caught and um, their team will suffer. So um, I thought it was good. It was a really good point. It was a classic case where the guy's just been booked, what, like 10 minutes earlier for, for, for pulling the opponent back. And I think maybe in the back of mind, he says, there's no way this referee has the balls to go and, and send me off for, for a dive here. And, you know, it's not going to happen. The worst that happens, it's a non-call. But no, uh, well done to him because it was a pretty obvious dive. Uh 
Wenger's future, we've been talking about it all season. I'm assuming we're going to have a, a resolution now. Uh, Husey, you're the man in the know. Are we going to find out something when? There's a, there's a there's an AGM on Wednesday, is that right? Board meeting on uh, Tuesday, and I think they'll announce something Wednesday, I'd have thought. Um, almost certain he will stay, but then again, I've been pretty certain he's going to stay all along. Um, so it's no surprise. The one, one thing that does rile me about this is sort of Wenger's very belated admission that the speculation over his future has undermined Arsenal's season, which he spent weeks and weeks denying. Um, and he's the only man who's responsible for this speculation. Arsenal Morton took him a new contract a year ago. He's clearly always wanted to stay, but because of his own sort of stubbornness and pride, he's refused to sort of change the timetable. And ultimately, that is what his fighting has cost him not the title, because they're never going to the title, but that stubbornness has cost him a Champions League play. Well, if, so, um, if he why, was always going to stay, though, why didn't he just sign the contract and say, look, I've signed the contract? He's an extraordinarily stubborn man, and he won't, he won't, he won't, he won't bow to outside events. He's going to resent the pressure from the fans. So if he said, I'll decide at the end of the season, which has always been his sort of yeah. uh, stance, he was unwilling to change that, even though um, it, was, it was hurting him and his team. I find it bizarre myself, but uh, that's the only explanation. Enough Fenger, enough Arsenal. Let's say goodbye to Matt Hughes, who's got more important things to do around 3 o'clock this afternoon. And let's welcome in Mr. Henry Winter for our team of the season. Hi, Gab. Hi, Julian. Hi, Alison. Hi, Al. Henry, thanks so much for joining us. I will quickly recap how the team of the season works. We're actually going to make two teams of the season. We're going to make an absolute master team of the season. Um, involving all 20 Premier League clubs. And then we're going to do a team of the season outside the top six. I debated briefly saying like, oh, let's make it outside the top seven so as not to upset Everton fans. But then you just look at the gap and you're kind of like, you know, not so much the gaps in points, but the gap in reality. So, so yeah, so Everton players are eligible for our team of the season outside the top six. To avoid this taking forever, because we're all busy, we're going to make this very, very simple. I'm going to rotate through you. I have the basic setup in a 4-3-3. If you feel very strongly, we can fudge, we can adjust. And I'll just start perhaps with a goalkeeper. You guys just tell me your name. If it's all unanimous, we can just move on. We don't need to spend too much time discussing. So I'm going to start with, with you, Alison. Who is your goalkeeper? Uh, I've gone for Courtois. De Gea is the better goalkeeper, but Courtois had the better season. Okay, one word will suffice. Julian? I would have gone for Pickford in both teams, by the way. Okay, we'll get to the other team. Uh, Henry, sounds like you have the, the the deciding vote here, or maybe an impasse. Pickford's the best goalkeeper. He's had a sensational season. There's no doubt there. I think he's been incredible. Considering his age, the team he was playing with, We have four. a majority here, so I suppose I need to defer because I'm only supposed to cast a deciding vote when y'all can't agree. I have a serious issue with Pickford, given that he missed a chunk of the season, given that he still conceded an enormous amount of goals. And however good he may have looked, I thought that there were other very good goalkeepers. And he was terrible in his final game as well, wasn't he? Gab, I don't think you've been watching enough of Sunderland or certainly the uh, the absentee defence in front of him. He's, he, he, talk, to, talk to any player and they'll all, they'll all go Pickford. He's just been sensational and that's why he'll move for 25, 30 million. And he's not simply a goalkeeper and a shot stopper. He commands the box. And he's got, for someone who is pretty young, what's 22, 23, he's vocal, he's a leader, and we have too few of those in football. 
I wonder if this turns out into another thing where it's like young English player hyped to high heaven and then goes the way of Ross Barkley a couple of years down the line. But no, look, I, I like Pickford a lot. I also like Tom Heaton. Um, he would have been my pick for outside the top six. But hey, y'all want Pickford. We live in a democracy, right? You're right back. I'm going to start with you, Julian. Antonio Valencia. Allison. Dave. No, because he's not he doesn't play right back, so you can't no, have him. No, we are having him. No, Come no, on, we're playing no, four. No, we're playing, no, 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 if you're going to go for 4 3 3, you still have the, first, the best. You can have him at centre half, which is where yeah. he played all season long. That's and that's where I, I have I, him, too. Yeah, I have him, too, there. He doesn't become a right back just because you say so. <laughs> Do you want to take a minute to come up with an alternative? No, I want Dave there. I think he'd be brilliant there. Okay. Henry? Well, I mean, I, when I did my team of the season, I did it you know, echoing a lot of the formation. So I did it with a, uh, a, a three with uh, wing backs. And I had uh, Moses as the wing back. And I agree with Alison in terms of, I think Aspilicueta has been certainly in the top three, not top two centre-halves in the country. But if we're going for a right back in a 4-4-2 outmoded, surprise with you Gab um, I would, I'd definitely go Valencia he'd be fantastic Valencia's the guy I had too your centre halves you can give me two Henry three really stood out uh, Keane Aspilicueta and um, Alderweireld so Gab I'll be generous take, take two from those I mean I've got to have Aspilicueta in there because I think he's he's been fantastic Keane's been good as well Alderweireld has been sensational I mean I'm, I'm not doing particularly well on a, a balance right and left I'll probably, sadly, leave Keane out of the two and have us Billiqueta and um, Aldevaro. Allison? Yeah, they were my two as well. And they were my two as well. All right, we're doing great here. Your left back, Allison. Well, you probably won't allow this either, but I think Alonso has to be in the team. Why? 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 He's a left so- back. That's what that's that's where he played. That's fine, Marcos Alonso. Okay, okay, you are yeah. allowing me. I you are, I am allowing it. I am encouraging it. In fact, oh, I love James Milner left back. I love the whole story. I love the guy playing there when he's not his position. He's not boring. He's boring. I don't care. He's. I thought he's he he's been incredible in that position. For someone and he missed the penalty when Fraser Forster went jump on his head. He scored what seven others. Okay. He's right footed playing right. in that left in is, in a is, team is there, like is there that. A butt coming. Or you really no, where, where, how can you even you can't find a bet on his season? What's your bet? He missed that penalty. No, no, come on, that's not a bet worth being a bet. He's not a left back. Exactly. So considering he's not a left back, the job he's done in that team, considering how the team plays, okay. I, th- I, think, I, think, I, think, I think he wins player playing out of position who did best <laughs> in that role. Right. Exactly. But I'm not sure he is. You the Milner, the right? good. I want Milner. Back. Yeah, Henry. Well, well, first of all, I'll say on Milner, I love this idea that he's boring. He's one of the most interesting guys. You can <laughs> it was a joke. Twice, it was a joke. He's got, he's got twice as many. I know, but it's a, it's a joke that's sort of propagated on a regular basis. He's got, more, but, he's got twice as many GCSEs as you and I have got together, probably, Gap. Really interesting so. guy. But no, I'll go left back. I know he's a left wing back, but definitely Alonso. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this about Milner, in fairness. He played into it. Some of the funniest, uh, there's these really, really, uh, you might have seen this, Henry. Um, when he was at City... He did this whole series of little video skits yeah. where he was like unwrapping his Christmas presents and he played on the fact he's seen as boring and they were all kind of like wrapped in, wrapped in brown paper and stuff like that. That's why I joke about it. I think the guy's tremendous. I think he's bright. I don't see why he should get stick for, uh, you know, for, for, for not having a funny haircut. Or... He's, just, he's, he's, just, he's, a, he's a super professional. He is absolutely convinced that it was one of the kit men at City who was behind 
boring James Miller because he said it's it must be someone who knows me well because there are echoes of my character. Boring James Milner, for those who don't know, is uh, is, a, is a Twitter account. So you're you're going along, so perfect. That was that would have been my choice too. So but Milner deserves a lot of credit for his season. Okay, he does. so he so does. Milner gets a special Julian yeah, Lawrence commendation. You. That's for you, James. All right, <clears throat> central midfield. We can kind of do this slightly loose because I think two of the three. I'm guessing. I don't want to put anybody off. Uh, everybody will agree on. And Golo Conte. Yes. He has to be there. Whether we play flat 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 and 3 Give me midfield. all three. Let's make this easy. So, yeah. So my three would be Dele Alli and Golo Conte and Kevin De Bruyne. Henry? <sighs> wow. Um, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne has been good. He, he faded as he, as, he, as he occasionally does. Definitely um, Ali Kante, as we say in Spain. Um, <laughs> and then if you're going to have... I suppose you're going to be wanting... Am I allowed Hazard, or are you playing him as a number 10 and being exotic further forward? I sort of have Hazard in the front three. Henry, Go on, the, help name, me out the name here, you're looking for is Gilfie Sigurdsson. It's, it's Kante, no, Ali Gilfie. and Sigurdsson. Yeah, I love, I love, I love, I love Gilfie. I would have Eriksson in the head of, uh, of Gilfie, even though Gilfie's had a good season. Can I have David Silva ahead of De Bruyne? Are you going to tell me he's further forward as well? No, you no. may have David Silva. Well, I have David Silva. He's been City's best player this season. Okay. And it has to be Sigurdsson because he is the joint second most player with assists. He's covered more ground than Kante. He did all this in a team that was everyone's pick to go down and still managed to be elegant and influential. Can I switch my vote to Guilfi Sigson purely on the on the fact that he's got a great middle name? <laughs> what is his middle name? Thor. Guilfi Thor Sigurdsson. All right. So I guess we have a majority for Sigurdsson then. Our strikers, you can select three again, and we're going to start with you, Henry. Well, the best two strikers in the country, obviously, Kane and Lukaku. And we're putting Hazard up there, then obviously Eden Hazard has to be in there as well. So there's three. So you're saying Hazard, Kane, and Lukaku? Yeah. Alison? Um, going for Sanchez, Kane, and Mane as my attacking three. Kane is a common theme here. Yes, I have Kane as well. All right, so Kane, you're in. Well done, Harry. And then I have Alexis and Hazard. Hazard gets two votes as well out of the three, so well done, Eden. So does Sanchez. Hazard, Kane, and Sanchez, which is what I had as well. So this is your official game podcast team of the season. Jordan Pickford in goal, across the back, Antonio Valencia, Toby Alderweireld, uh, Cesar Spiliqueta, Marcos Alonso, and then in midfield, slightly unbalanced, but there's, there's two of them, N'Golo Kante, N'Golo Kante again, mm-hmm. Dele Alli, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who presumably will be just wandering around, finding space, Hazard, uh, Harry Kane, and Alexis Sanchez. Now, we're doing a new thing, which is our team of the season outside the top six so, obviously, players from teams that finish in the top six are not eligible. Given that y'all like Jordan Pickford so much, I'm assuming he's an automatic choice for this, yes? Yeah, it was, yeah. My, it was my choice. Uh, okay. What about Tom Heaton? He, that, saved, he, he saved, made more saves than anyone else. He also finished far higher up in the table, and he and didn't get injured. integral in- into Burnley having what was yeah. for them an amazing season. And he didn't get injured, and he didn't have the benefit of, of John O'Shea in didn't front of him. He relegated. But, hey, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the people have spoken. It's Jordan Pickford. Uh, Julian, I need a right-back from you. I had to work hard on this one. And maybe my right-back is not everybody's taste, but I went for Smith from Bournemouth. Oh, so Ooh, did I. So did I, actually. He, okay, he hasn't maybe so been the most... everybody's taste. <laughs> no, but he hasn't been maybe the most consistent. Because, you know, I do... But he oh, scores... But I, but I did pick him. 
take him for that? Because every time I've seen Bournemouth, I thought, oh, he played well again. It's just one of the most intelligent players in the league. He's a very good guy as well. And I, yeah, I really like him. So I went for Smith. Also one of the most influential economists, of course, of the yes. 17th century. Yeah. But uh, eight, eight we wouldn't be here without him. Smith, Henry? Adam Smith. Yeah, John Locke. Um, sorry, no, I'll go for... Um, yeah, no, go for Smith, definitely. All righty. Well done, Adam Smith. Our centre halves. Henry? Uh, Keenan Gibson. <laughs> You're not here, Henry, yeah. but Gab looked very smug when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> because I picked the same ones. But my vote doesn't matter. I'm always a decider. Hey, come on, come on. Macaulay and Maguire. Yeah, Macaulay. Macaulay and Maguire. I've got Macaulay. Harry Maguire? Yeah. I've got Macaulay. It's kind of one of those sentimental goal. choices, I know, but yeah, but for the story as well, for his career, for everything. But he scored, he's, he's, he's 37 in his whole career, he scored six goals this season, he scored 10 in his whole life. I mean, it's yeah. a phenomenal season, he also played even, almost every single no, minute. I agree, I agree with Alison. He also didn't play as high as the championship until he was like 32 or something. It's, stupid a, like it's that. an incredible story, you know, Gibson and all right, they're, they're I had Keen and, and Macaulay. My he's, right. also, he's also designing his own house, Macaulay. Yeah, wow. He, he's also yeah. educated too, didn't he? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He was still playing at university and then decided to, uh, yeah. I'm tempted by this Macaulay thing and I kind yeah, of feel like to. Gibson's time will come. I don't know, Henry. No, go with Macaulay, it's fine. Yeah. No, he's, look, he's a, I'll call him a semi-mate. Yeah, no, he's great. He's a great guy, Macaulay. Your left back, Alison. I uh, went unimaginatively with Leighton Baines. He never <sighs> let you down. Me too. Are you guys serious? Yeah. What's wrong with Leighton Baines? Why are no, you so I just surprised? don't think he had a particularly yeah, good season. I, I agree with that. Who, who, who did you choose, Gab? I was going to wait. I want you to say it first. Well, go on. <laughs> go first, Gab. Go on. I went with Charlie Daniels. Wow. In a, in, in, in a season of disappointing left-backs. I might have Bertrand, actually. I know he's played slightly further forward at times, but I think Bertrand's been decent. Bertrand would be a really good shot. Yeah, are you sure you guys don't want to reconsider? You sure you're just going to go with Leighton Baines because he's the big name? That isn't why we went for him, is it, no. Julian? No. I thought Jose Jalebas did well until Watford decided to lose the last 12 games of the season. Really, you guys, you guys are really no, sticking Bertrand with Leighton Baines. He's a, a good shot. Bertrand is a good shot. There you say. go, Henry. We've persuaded him. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Bertrand. Well done. Your three central midfielders. I'm assuming one of them will be Sigurdsson, yeah. yes? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Duh. Of course. He was, in mine, he was in mine as well. So I didn't put him in my team of the season but I had it in the second team okay I had Harry Arter because I love him I've got a proper crush on you Harry so I know you're listening I love Harry so Harry has to be there and then for the third one I really I, I was I like Mili, Mili, Milivojevic now half a season doesn't count I know I know I know, That's I, know, I, know, I, know exactly. I know I know you were going to say that I'm just saying that you know I think he did really well when he came in uh, so I go for Davis for Everton because I just think considering his age what he did the City game at Goodison Park the the style the way he looks the socks the socks that he puts low like this yeah he deserves to be there Alison no the other two should be Idrissa Thank Gay you. Thank you. he plays the role that Canty plays and sometimes almost as well obviously not consistently as well and um Perhaps controversially, Etienne Capoue because he had the storming start of the season. We, That's the only saying, reason Watford I, stayed up. Are we talking about players who who actually performed consistently? Yeah, not for three months and then nothing for four months, or went to the African Cup of Nations and then came back and then is that 
Is that what we're doing? Because Etienne Capou had four good games. And then I don't think I've seen him again until the end of the season. And he Gay went away, came back. I'm sure he played more minutes than Davies did this season, if you really want to go there. I think we need the wisdom of Henry here. Henry. I, I, would, definitely, I would definitely go for Davies, but I'll go for Stephen Davies. Thank you, Henry. Oh, um, a different go, Davis. Yeah, and I think he's been terrific. He's just a sort of line and length, week in, week out. Just never lets you down. He's always in there. And I would go for Darren Fletcher as well right. my captain. Okay, we're, we're all over the place with this. What so, what was yours? I had Oriol Romeo and reluctantly Idris Gay. But I'm just going to make a little list here. We're going to settle on two of the of the guys you what, mentioned. Until fair point on Romeo, he's been fair play. He's been very good. I wouldn't dispute him being in there. Okay, so Romeo's in. Haha. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Yeah, I'd right. fair point. He's been excellent. For our final spots, our options are Gay, Fletcher, Etienne Capoue, controversially as we established, and Tom Davis. We need a bit of. I mean, I, I know we've got Gilfie there, but we can't have Gay and Romeo in there. Come Why on, not? let's let's be a bit fun. I'm and Italian. Sexy. I have no problem with that. But <laughs> let's be a bit sexy and have what have Tom Davies. Oh, he, the guy is like, he, come he, on. He had a little spurt. You're talking about no, dismissing Capu because you didn't see him at the end of the season. Well, Tom well, we Davies, I didn't see him at the beginning of the season. Then. He scored I mean, a great Capu goal. French is a brother, but come on, it's like can't have Capu in our team of the season, Henry. If you had to pick out of those four, you'd obviously pick Darren Fletcher. So it's Gay, Fletcher, Kapue, and Davies. My reservation with Davies is that he didn't hasn't played enough minutes, and I'm not sure how much of a difference he made. You're right about Kapue. He tailed off very, very badly. Darren Fletcher, though, his team tailed off really, really badly and stopped playing in March. That's what's difficult with him. But, but, he, but he didn't, though. Uh, look, Idrissa Gay's been good. Whenever I've seen him, he's you know, he's been good. He's sort of canty light. Anybody going to budge? Go, go Fletcher. Go Fletcher. Go for Fletcher. No, Very harsh on Harry Arter, by the way. And I know oh, you I like him Harry as well. Arter. I know you like him as well. I don't know why you forgot about him. Do, do you guys want more more attacking flair with Harry Arter? Anybody? No? It's Henry. All right. Looking like that, Darren we, Fletcher then. I'm sorry. What's wrong with Harry Arter? Why don't I you like him? with Harry Arter. But... To be you fair, when they signed... flat down in Bournemouth or something, you seem to be... No, I just... <laughs> and to be fair about Arter, you kind of feel that, well, if Eddie Howe liked him so much and he was so important to the team, why sign Jack Wilshire on loan, who's sort of like, who does the same stuff Harry Arter does, right? Do you want me to write this in capital letters over the phone? It's because Eddie Howe wants to show that he can work with big players. Because Eddie Howe wants to show that he can manage a bigger club one day. That, hence Wilshire, hence all the other players he's going to bring in over the summer. Maybe that's why he signed Sylvain Distan too, back in the day. Yeah. Who, by the way, yeah. is, I'm going to say this again, is an absolute gentleman and a class act. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Just want to shout out to Sylvain in case you're listening, which I know he sometimes does. Right. Our strikers. And I remind you all that Everton did not finish in the top six. shoe in, yeah? Possibly. Right. Okay. I have, is it my turn? Yes. My turn. You can, you can right. name three people. You don't have Lukaku. So, let me explain. <laughs> Llorente for me has to be there anyway. Okay? Because him and Gilfi took this team out. Okay, Alfie Mosen maybe a little bit. And Claude Makaleli. And Paul Clement. Yeah, but Llorente has to be there. And Leroy Fur. But go ahead. Yeah. Llorente has to be All right. there. Okay? Lanzini. Because you, you, we, we can't have three number nines up front. So you need a bit of a, you know, you need a bit of a winger type of wizard. Creative wizard guy. Yeah. yeah. So I would have Lanzini there. 
So then Lukaku would be, I know it's not really the, the, the right person, but anyway. What about German Defoe, though? A season like Defoe. Oh, had, my God. No. You're not going to put Defoe no, no, and Pickford in this saying, team. I'm just saying. You're joking just about saying, Defoe. Really? I'm just saying, at his age. Okay, fine. All right, all right. In the so team he played. Your charity case. So you no, have Defoe, Lanzini, and Llorente? Or are you just mentioning Defoe for no, the yeah, hell I'm, of it? I'm, no, I'm, I was just explaining my, my, okay. my thought process. So I've got Lanzini behind Lukaku and Llorente. The three L's. Uh, yeah, Lukaku you have to put in, don't you? Uh, Zaha I put in. Um, nine assists, seven goals, and he does terrify defences. And uh, Josh King for an all-round reliable Another season. Bournemouth guy. What's up with that? She's got a flat in Bournemouth as well. <laughs> uh, Henry, you're not, you're not going to dispute oh, Lukaku, I assume, yeah? No, no, no. No, no absolutely. No, I had another team this season. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I echo Alisson on all three. Ooh. Ooh. I think Zaha's been terrific. I mean, we've got over what happened in Israel with the under-21s. Everyone's kind of moved on from that. And he's, he's, he's made his decisions. And, um, no, I think he's been terrific. I saw him in training once, and there are very few players I've seen, you know, unless you go to the very top level, who are so quick and whose control is so instant. And he was just an absolute beast of a player. So, uh, yeah, and he's, he's now delivering that. Definitely have him. You have to have Lukaku in because of the, uh, the goals. I think Josh King is, you know, it's going to be useful when we all go down and stay at uh, Julien's place in, in the summer in Bournemouth <laughs> and, and we can just sort of talk about who is the real local king, Julien or uh, Josh. I mean, he's, 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 he's been terrific and he's, he's, he's kept going when some people have headed to uh, the beach at the end of Julien's garden. Well, yeah. have, I would have Llorente though over Josh King. As much as I love Josh King and I think he's amazing, like yeah, most yeah, of Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, but Josh King actually runs. <laughs> yeah, but uh, come on. Uh, since when are we role. doing like, yeah. I did not have King. I had Lukaku, Zahar and Llorente. So Zaha is in and Lukaku is in. I think so Zaha yeah. has to be in. Yeah. Um, he's not my favorite player, I but Lanzini, I think he's though. really come on this year. Lanzini's a good shout too, though. I know. I love Lanzini. I think, like, seriously, all these, all these, like Nordic types. You know, (laughs) honestly, a bit of flair. The thing is, if we have Urente, then this becomes Urente, Sigurdsson, Fletcher, McCauley. It's a bit of a ponderous team, isn't it? Henry, you get the final word. Oh, you've got to have Zaha in there. No, no, Zaha's in. Zaha's in. Your options are Urente or Lanzini. Or King. Or King. Or King. Come on. Oh, too many guys. I agree with Gav. There's too many Norwegians in this team. <laughs> and why is it every time King goes to play for Norway, he's terrible? <laughs> All right. People have spoken. It's Josh King. Our team of the season outside the top six. Jordan Pickford from Sunderland. Again, Adam Smith from Bournemouth and Ryan Bertrand from um, Southampton are your fullbacks. Your center halves are Michael Keane uh, from Burnley and uh, Gareth McCauley from the mighty West Bromwich Albion. Boing, boing. Midfield, Oriol Romeo, also Southampton, and Darren Fletcher, also a baggie. And uh, then, of course, the magnificent Gilfie Sigurdsson setting up a front three of Bournemouth's Josh King, Romelu Lukaku of Everton, and Wilfried Zaha. It's a pretty cool team, man. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
Right, there's a little mini debate that we've touched upon before, but I do think it, it affords a, a pretty good talking point, and I think it could turn into a much bigger story. So last week, Lionel Messi was found guilty um, by the uh, by the Spanish Supreme Court, or rather, Spanish Supreme Court rejected his appeal over um, over tax fraud, tax evasion. Um, he has to pay the 4.1 million euros in back taxes that he owes, plus a 2 million euro fine. And Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, late in the week, it emerged that he'd been investigated following revelations in the Football League's document over as much as 15 million euros in uh, in taxes that he evaded between 2011 and 2014. Now, Ronaldo's people had signed an agreement that we'd reached a settlement where they paid 5.2 million, uh, which they thought would put them in the clear, but uh, apparently he's on the hook for this other money. Now, he's not been charged yet, and he may get charged. And if he gets charged, unless he he serves a unless he gets sentenced to more than two years, he's not actually going to go to prison. Same way, Mes- uh, Messi, who got 21 months, uh, isn't won't be going to prison. You've got footballers and managers because Mourinho was in a similar boat, who are kind of little corporations. They're little multinational, global corporations who make money all over the world. Uh, and you have tax lawyers and tax accountants whose job it is to go and minimize the amount of taxes that they pay and that there's this, this sort of struggle. We've seen it with celebrities and other walks of life. Henry, do you get the sense that these guys are somewhat being targeted a little bit in perhaps in, in the same way that some celebrity, who's the comedian in this country who who, who got done for that as well? Jimmy Kong. Is this a message governments want to send? Like, look, you know, nobody's above the law and is the law really that clear? Well, I think you're not exactly telling us anything particularly new that uh, that wealthy people try to avoid or not pay as, as much tax and go through loopholes or whatever. The far bigger issue is what's happened to uh, so many Premier League footballers and former players in the UK, which is why so many of them are, are on, uh, on television. It's because their uh, independent financial advisors or their agents and accountants uh, encourage them or just did it and put their money into uh, into these film schemes, and that's why so many of them paying the back. And, you know, one of the, the most famous banks in this country, which has got I think about 350 Premier League players, is uh, is just in turmoil at the moment, just trying to sort of deal with all this. So, okay, Ronaldo and Messi, they're paying those sums back, but their bigger sums being currently paid back privately in the UK. This is the thing that gets me, though. I mean, and it applies to the film schemes. Uh as well um so first of all it's not as if their tax accountants are saying who let's let's go defraud the government they're saying because the way offshore law works and stuff like that they're saying we can get away with this um you know technically this is this this will be legal and we'll be fine and the footballers i'm sure messi and cristiano are very clever people but i'm pretty sure they're not chartered accountants so in the same way, I think most of us, when we do our taxes, we give our receipts to our accountant. He comes back and he says, all right, sign here. This is what you have to pay. I mean, Alison, is it fair that they could be facing prison sentences and a criminal record? Messi's getting a suspended sentence. That means if Messi gets done for something else, road rage or, or whatever, or, you know, over the limit, whatever, he's going to prison. Let's just be clear on this. The key point is that ignorance is no defense in the law and Messi thought, as did I suspect, 99% of the footballers who've been caught out by all these various schemes think, I play the football, I let other people sort out my money. 
And sometimes it's framed to them as investment as opposed to avoidance. And sometimes it is framed as let's keep as much as you can. And they just say, oh, well, I don't do what you do. Do what you do. I'm too busy. And Messi said, I'm too busy to know what's going on. And the courts are saying, no, that is not a defence. It is it is your civic, social, legal responsibility to know what is happening to your money. And if that is the message that gets out to everybody who earns over a certain amount, that they cannot just park it with someone who's got a few letters after their name and say it's not my responsibility anymore well it is and and if 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 that seems mean on the individual because they're may, being made an example of well so be it because that's how the way society works you you take high profile incidents and people learn from it Julia, i kind of feel like it's the law that's actually kind of stupid in the sense that there are so many there's so many systems for, 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 for minimizing your tax and the tax codes are so complicated that they encourage this. There's obviously another very high profile case that I think we all know about, but I won't name, which may well come to light very, very soon in this very country where it's pretty obvious that this is what happened as well. And at some point, somebody will investigate that if they're not doing it already. But should we just maybe kind of change the law and say, hey, listen, Messi, Ronaldo, you're a taxpayer in Spain for better or for worse. We're not taxing you on worldwide income, but anything you make worldwide, whatever scheme you set up, yeah. set up your scheme, take it to us, and we'll tell you if it's legal or not. And then you get a little certificate for us, and you say, you want to set up 50 different companies? Maybe it's legal, maybe it's not, but we tell you ahead of time, right? You ask permission rather than ask forgiveness, and then we won't have this problem. You know, people who are trying to find those loopholes and everything to try to not pay taxes on certain on, on big big amount of money. They're looking for ways to do it without being told or you know try to be on the limit of legality. That's that's the idea, I guess. But the what I find with players, well, most of the one I've met, they always want more money and more money. And it, it doesn't matter how much they earn already. They always want more and more and more. However, not all of them. I know big players who were offered the similar kind of thing that Messi and Ronaldo did and didn't want to do it because they, they were too... Well, I don't know if they were scared or... Or their, didn't think their, their tax it. lawyers gave them different advice. Yeah, and, and you don't have to do it. Messi doesn't have to do it. Whether he knows the full extent or not, that's another issue, but he doesn't have to do it. He, he, cannot, he can say to his dad, listen, dad, I don't... You know, we, surely we've got enough money. We don't need to to do all of that and same with Cristiano so I, I think there's a point where it's they've been far too greedy and they're paying for it right enough of all this fun with the tax code how about some quick hits Manchester City appear to have made the first big splash of the summer transfer market by adding Monaco's Bernardo Silva possibly the second one too if uh, reports as we're reporting today uh, that they're close to the signing of Ederson from, uh, from Benfica for an enormous amount of money in my opinion but anyway um, but back to Bernardo Silva Julian are we sure he's a good fit? Don't they already have a ton of little skillful guys? He's a very good fit. He's the heir to David Silva. I think he will integrate the rotation from Pep, which will be perfect. David Silva is 31. Bernardo turned 23 in August. He can play everywhere, very versatile. Benjamin Mendy calls him the bubblegum because he said the ball is glued to his feet, which I really like. <laughs> I was going to ask, I'm, not, I'm assuming he's not going to play, people are suggesting he's going to replace Sterling. So I, I'm assuming he might. I mean, longer term, he's going to play inside, not wide, yeah. because he's not... If Pep wants to have the super speedy, super athletic wide man, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him. Right. Uh, so you think he could play wide like he did with Monaco in their 4-4-2 formation. But if you want the pace, you need a very, very quick right back behind him, right. left back behind him to overlap and everything. I think he'd be much better more centrally, yeah. Blackpool achieved promotion to League One 
But, Allison, only 6,000 fans make the trip to the cavernous Wembley. Now, last time they had 30,000. Apparently, they're upset with the owner, Mr. Oyston. And by the way, you can Google him or his dad or whoever that guy is, and you can see that these aren't the nicest people in the world. Are you okay with fans staying home if they don't like the owner? It's better to stay away than to go and to boo your team. I don't think you should be there and boo your team. So if you can't support them properly, then don't go. That's absolutely fine. Uh, it's more complicated than that with Blackpool. The supporters trust there, believe if they spend money on tickets or merchandise or anything, they're just lining the pockets of the Oysters, who then in turn get litigious and sue the fans for complaining about the way they've stripped the club of um, investment and not reinvested the money they got for a promotion. So there is war between the owners and the fans. So in that instance, it's perfectly acceptable to stay away. From one Silva to another, Marco Silva will be the Watford manager next season. Smart move from the Pozzo family? Very, very smart move. Very smart move. We love him here, uh, Marco. And I think he did the best job he could with Hull City. It was always going to be very hard I think to keep them up but I think he will be a very good job at Watford if they give him the responsibilities and it's not always the case with the Pozzos as much as we love them again on this show but yeah I think very very good move to be fair they gave a lot of control and a lot of responsibility to the two previous managers and we saw how that worked out so David Moyes has left relegated Sunderland and Sam Allardyce has moved on from Crystal Palace we're staying up Alison Use your crystal ball. Are we going to see these two guys again anytime soon? In fact, which one will we see first? Well, probably Moyes. Sounds like Big Sam needs a break for whatever reasons there are. Um, and hopefully if the things he needs to sort out get sorted out, he'll be back. Um, do you think he might he, go he, do some keynote speaking? No, that's that's rude. Um, uh, unkind, rather. No, I think... I think he's he's said in the past, Big Sam, he finds it hard to live without football. So, I mean, I think, I think he'll return at some point. But David Moyes has to come back because his, his reputation's in tatters now. He needs to, if he's going to stop, he needs to stop on some sort of high. I remember when he used to always be talked about positively as a, that, that sort of loyal bloke who got so much out of minimal resources at Everton and was consistent and he's just not been able to take it to the next level. So he's sort of... He has, to, he has to get a job and do well in it. So he will be back to prove that point. Plenty of buzz and cryptic statements surrounding Antoine Griezmann and a move to Manchester United and that six out of ten nonsense. Julian, what's your sense here of what will happen? Um, I think he will go to Manchester United and play with his best mate Pogba. I think the, f- the first key thing was for them to qualify in the Champions League, which they did by winning the Europa League. The second thing is if the transfer ban uh, at Atletico Madrid is lifted, which we will know very soon now. Uh, and then I think United will uh, splash the cash and he will go there. And I think it would be wonderful for the Premier League to have him there. Alison, you get a freebie since you've been so good oh. and, and you've been obviously voted our podcast guest podcast regular of the year uh, this season but you have an absolute freebie you okay. have 25 okay. seconds is this the first is this the first on the podcast I don't think anyone ever had a freebie it, this is, it is, this is, it is the first amazing. ever no amazing. past winners of the podcast guest of the year did not get freebies so consider yourself lucky okay. you will have the 25 honor, the seconds honor is, the honour is tugging my hair to the table right yes, you have 25 I, seconds from the time I finish talking use them wisely 
I interviewed Jan Kermagant and he said he was left to stew on his own when he signed um, for English clubs. No one took him out for pizza. No one at the club checked that he could speak the language, that he knew what he was doing. And it strikes me, I've heard this before, it is ridiculous that clubs spend millions on a player that comes from another culture, another country, and they do not check that they have somewhere to live and that they are happy and that they have someone who can translate for them and help them to settle. So they spend millions on the player and they won't spend the hundreds, just the hundreds it would take to make sure that investment worked properly at the club. And uh, the English have, as Kermagant said, something to look at. They have to look at their their own form of arrogance as opposed to just calling foreigners arrogant. Wow. wow. Fighting wow. words. I love that. Wow. I, on, on that specific subject, we could do a whole hour on because we all have a bazillion anecdotes, I think. Uh, and that's why clubs have player liaison. Was there no player liaison? Where, where, where did he sign when he first came here? It was uh, Leicester. Leicester. He was yeah. made a laughing stock at Leicester because he missed um, a penalty in the penalty shootout in the semi-final of the playoff in 2010. He was known as the arrogant Frenchman who tried to do a penenka in a penalty shootout. Okay, and he said that isn't what happened legend. at all. He was so he was so nervous because no one was talking to him. He was seen as this French guy who might take someone's place who was more popular and no one spoke to him for a year. Disgraceful. Who was the Leicester manager at the time? Nigel Pearson. Oh, oh what a surprise! But I, I did, don't. Don't you wonder though a little bit? How does missing a penalty? What does that have to do with people? I mean, penalty was at the end of the year, right? So presumably he'd had a whole season. To a whole and, season not to play. A whole season to to, to play occasionally. And that's, this this was this was the point he was making. No, this was the point he was making. Is how can you isolate someone on social terms? And then expect them to play 10 minutes at the end of a game on their debut and shine. And then if they don't shine, everyone labels you as, oh, he's a foreigner, he's lazy and he's not trying very hard. No one made any attempt to integrate him. All right. Well, all we have is Kurt Morgan's version of events here. Uh, if you happen to be the Leicester player liaison officer at the time, or if you're Craig Shakespeare uh, or Steve Walsh and want to get in touch and provide us, or indeed Nigel Pearson, although I don't imagine we'll hear from him please get in touch with us and um, we'll be glad to have you on in the final game podcast of the season next week Gab you've been voted um, the favourite Italian on the uh, game podcast Bravo. so you you Bravo. get a question related to a home country Francesco Totti played his final game for Roma I imagine it was a low key affair no and in fact it was a game with actually something at stake unlike John Terry's final game because uh Roma needed to win to be assured of uh, of automatic qualification to the to the Champions League. He came on early in the uh, in the second half, um, and uh, Roma eventually won three two, not without a scare because uh, General pulled it back to two two. And all the celebrations happened at the end. He wasn't substituted. There was no guard of honor, but he did the thing where he took the you know he did a lap of honor with his wife and kids. He thanked the fans. He said one thing that really that really struck me. He said. Um, I've been so privileged. His hometown club, the club he supported as a boy, spends his entire career there, becomes world champion, wins Serie A. Um, but he said, but most of all, because I go to work and I put on shorts and boots and I could play football all day. And that made me feel like I was still a kid. And now I have to grow up. Now I'm 40 years old and I have to grow up. And I'm absolutely terrified at the prospect. And that's why I need all of you to, to help me in the next phase of my career, which I thought was was just an extraordinarily humble and and touching thing to say. And I want to say one other thing about Totti 
And this applies to Totsi, it applies to Matthew Letizier, it applies to Alan Shear in his own way. There are some absolute numpties out there who say, well, if he was really great, he would have moved to a bigger club. I think if you have a special bond with a club that you supported as a kid, it means so much more that you stay there. Uh, you know, Alan Shearer could have gone to Manchester United, as we all know, uh, and he would have won much more. He might have even been a lot wealthier. Totti famously turned down Real Madrid and AC Milan. This stuff means more. It's not about your medals. I mean, you want to go there with medals. Phil Neal won more medals than Kenny Dalglish. Does it make him a better player than Kenny Dalglish? I don't think so. It's what you do in that context that matters. And if you're fortunate enough to be talented enough to play for the, the team you supported as a kid, the team from your hometown, and you're still, you still play at the highest level and you're still competitive, and he did win a Serie A title and he won a World Cup, and you know, were it not for an incredible last-second goal, he would have won a Euro, European Championship as well in 2000 where he was arguably man of the match or man of the tournament. I mean, that is an absolute blessing. So I don't want anybody to come forward and do like, oh, what's he won, what's he won? Because that's just stupid and ignorant. That's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my excellent guest, Henry Winter, who, as you probably gathered, was on his way to Wembley. Uh, Matt Hughes, who was also on his way to Wembley. Uh, Alison Rudd and Julian Lawrence, who were here in the studio. If you're wondering what's happening at Wembley today, and we will talk about it in the final podcast of the season, it's the championship playoff, Huddersfield against Reading. One of those two teams will be in the Premier League. If you want to subscribe to The Times, and I recommend you do, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial. You get to go behind the paywall to get all the excellent writing uh, featured in our pages, not just in sport, but uh, across a variety of subjects. And in season, you can access highlights of every game in the Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup, and the SPFL. You can also press the subscribe button wherever you choose to download your podcast. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday for, uh, as I said, the final podcast of the season, looking back at the championship playoff final. Oh, and that other game in Cardiff as well. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.